Good morning, afternoon, or evening. In your peculiar time zone, this is the regular features podcast. It's the podcast that's the same every week. I'm sat facing my friends, Joe Scrabbles. Mm-hmm. Say hello. Hello, hey. And Steve Hogarty. How do you do? I do well. I hope you do too, readers, because you are about to embark on a voyage of just loads of words that we're saying to you. Who are you? John Blythe. How are you? People call me Log. I call me Log. I call me Log. I don't know why. I love every single intro. (laughs) You literally don't know your own name. It's fucking horrible. It's a branding mess. I w- <laughs> just call yourself Log. It's your I'm name. Log. Thank you. Fucking, it's happened at last. What feature have you got? I'll tell you what I've got. Love. <laughs> You've got a lot of love. To a lot give. of potential love for a lot of people. What have you got, Joe? I'm suggesting a radical reinvention of the EA Sports catalogue. I've got a review of London's hottest new restaurant, the Michelin Starred La Dame de Pique. Michelin starred the damned prick. That's how you speak when you're a professional <laughs> restaurant critic. Go, go even deeper. Michelin starred the damned Is this good? We guess, well, let's find out, shall we? Have either of you fine gentlemen ever played FIFA's The Journey Mode? I cannot think of anything less in my bag. Do you know what it is? Is it kind of like a career mode on a football game? Yeah, but it's like is sort it? of a soap opera following a young man's life. Oh, so you start on, in, I'm assuming, in the Sunday leagues. In like the grassroots, he's in an exit trial, and which is like when he gets let go and no club will pick him up. And then at the last ditch... He gets picked up by an improbably massive club and becomes oh, world famous like, within two seasons. Improbably massive ah. agent, talent scout. Yeah, and it's absolutely ridiculous, and I really like it a lot. And I've been playing the new one, and it's stupid. And there's a bit where he like gets a special super agent who turns him against his own family and his sister. His estranged sisters from America, and she's good at football as well. And his best mate, Danny the Williams Williams, is getting to the top of the game and they're going to meet in the Champions League. It's really exciting and stupid. They have oh, okay. women's football. It's women's <laughs> I know, this is almost ball. whimsical. <laughs> <laughs> this super has just gone too far. It's very implausible. Uh, and I just really like it, despite it being obviously stupid and shit and counter to anyone's needs in the world of FIFA. But it's like, like when the WWE games added all the back, all the backstage stuff that you could do as a, as a wrestler. But that's perfect, because that's what you actually see on TV. Yeah. You see loads of that stuff. In football, it flies in the face of all reason that a professional <laughs> football game would ever include the stuff where you're, like, having a chat with your mates. Turning or, FIFA into Jane the Virgin. Yeah, like a bit where you're, like, doing an Adidas photo shoot and stuff. Like, it's all the stuff no one ever wants to do as a footballer. It's not living out a fantasy. So what I thought, right... What if you did it for a different sport? And then I wrote a journey. Here we go. We open on a shot of a diminutive teenager standing at a toucan crossing. The red man is showing. The teen looks one way down the street. Nothing. 
He looks at the other. Nothing. He smiles an eerie smile because EA's proprietary frostbite engine makes teeth look mental. <laughs> he crosses the street well before the red man changes to the more permissive green man. This demonstrates his street smarts. Halfway across the road, the green man flickers on and the beeping is timed perfectly to the beat of fire by Kasabian, which begins playing. The camera spins to reveal a battered old squash racket case strapped to his back. A name tag stuck to the bag, written in handwriting that can only be described as a dead mum's handwriting, reveals, <laughs> reveals our hero's name, Clive Nationality. <laughs> a much taller teenager runs up behind Clive. Clive me, says Clive's mate. Clive replies to his mate. Well, if it isn't Simon Simonman, my best friend and clearest rival on the squash courts, we play across each day in the hope of one day entering the Professional Squash Association's world rankings for professional squash. Clive May, are you ready for the amateur regional squash tennis entry national trials today? It's the arse tense. You must be buzzing to get beaten by me, hotshot Simonman. <laughs> Simon laughs at his own hubris, and it looks absolutely terrifying, because Frostbite really can't handle teeth. They appear from behind the lips of characters like flat white knives, and the rest of the face barely moves. <laughs> yeah, mate, I'm excited, all right, but I keep thinking about how I'm an orphan. The Blower's Daughter by Damien Rice begins to play. Clive... May, I know you're an orphan, but when you get out on that court today, no one will even notice. I can't believe it's already been two years since I became an orphan. Clive points at the sky, and by association, the heavens. <laughs> this one's for you, Mum. Then he flips the bird at the ground, and by association, Hades. Fuck you, Dad. No one likes badminton. <laughs> Chapter one. This is it. It's the arse tense. If I win this, says Clive to himself and the player, while velcroing on his squash boot, I am entered as a wild card on the PSA World Tour circuit, cementing me as a top young player in the game of squash. But first I have to choose my shirt. A menu appears, displaying the three shirts available to Clive on his journey. You're presented with a fully licensed plain white polo shirt with a small Dunlop badge on the nip a hot blue deep V that shows off chest hair wisp physics, or a third option, a big maroon jacket that says Pret-a-Manger on the back, but it's greyed out until you amass 300 squash yen, the in-game currency. Player choice. Do you pick A, the polo, which will increase potential sponsors' bonus for your personal brand, or B, the deep V, which will increase your squash groupie count? Can I not... Pay money to unlock the Pret a Manger. You got the Pret a Manger. I want to pay squash real money. To, yet. I want to pay real money to get the squash yen. I haven't implemented those systems yet. <laughs> oh, actually, no, I have. Oh, they're coming. You could pay me now five pounds to get the Pret a Manger thing. I want you to improvise a response <laughs> to Pret a Manger. I think we should go with a polo shirt because the uh, the wisp physics on the chest here may impact on frame rate, which is very important in high speed squash games. Well, the, the impact on the frame rate might give you an extra time to respond to things as well. Oh, you reckon it's per frame rendering? Yeah. <laughs> or is it skip, skip frame rendering? I can't believe I've got you guys back in the journal game. <laughs> I'm going to agree with Steve and do the non-wispy bits. Clive puts on the polo and says, Dunlop, nice, before heading out to court to play some goddamn squash. It's time. Fade to black. 
Chapter two, you've done it. After winning the arse tents and a grueling 60-match season over the course of nine months, you've finally won the PSA World Tour Championship top prize and been cemented as the top squash player in World Squash. This is all shown in a 12-second montage. Both of the real-life PSA-ranking table-topping El Shorbergi brothers congratulate you on your victory. Congratulations on your victory. We think you are good at squash and you've helped us through a lot as a family, they say in absolute unison. They reveal their teeth, which will probably frighten the player, but Clive reveals his back, indicating a pleasure response. <laughs> Simon Simonman, your friend and rival who also won the ass tense in a joint win with you, improbably, has climbed the ranks with you and you just beat him in the final, by the way. Clive, mate. I can't believe you beat me. Our unlikely top to the top of world squash in a mere nine months has been an absolute whirlwind, and we've shared some good times, but I have to say, now it's all over. I hate you. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> like Fare I killed your parents. <laughs> Farewell. Simon Simonman, very much the Gary Oak of the uh, squash world. Clive makes an approximation of a shocked face at this twist, but his teeth are really distracting because they're sort of poking out of his blank mouth hole. The, his hole shuts, though, thankfully, concealing the teeth when he sees Jonah Barrington. Jonah Barrington, six-time British Squash Open winner. Jonah Barrington, co-author of Murder in the Squash Court, the only way to win. Jonah Barrington, popularly known as Mr. Squash. <laughs> Mr. Nationality, says Jonah, Mr. Squash Barrington. I have a proposition for you. I should like to coach you like I coached Mohamed El Shorbagi and Daniel Polishuk before you. I should like to cement you as the tip-top squash boy. I will give you exactly eight seconds to decide. Player choice. Do you A, accept his proposal and become what's well known in squash as a Barrington boy? Or B, deny his proposal and go your own way. You were born on the streets and you'll stay streetwise. I want to carve my own path in the squash world. Yeah, I'm just worried that you said you were born on the streets. And you will die on the streets. No, 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 no. no. I'm worried. Didn't say that. <laughs> no, the implication was so there. But so you want to get as far from the streets as possible and be and immortal. I want to be up up on the staircase with Barrington's boys. <laughs> you reckon we should go Barrington boys? No, I'm not willing to Eight overrule you. Definitely elapsed. Go with Steve's. I am such a passive boy. <laughs> <laughs> B. No, thank you, says Clive. B I'm a for not Barrington, boys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm a streetwise boy with no parents, and my best friend hates me, and I like it that way. Then you do backflips out of the leisure centre's doors into the night. Chapter 3. Clive is on his deathbed, finally poisoned by his longtime nemesis, Simon Simonman. He is only 83 years old. He looks around his room. This is because you chose this player choice. This yeah. is the polo yeah. shirt now. All those Dunlop sponsorship squash yen afforded Clive a lavish lifestyle. But there's nothing he wouldn't give for one last squash fight in the squash square. He hobbles to his aching feet, poisoned as they were by poison-soaked squash socks. He hobbles through the halls of his mansion, looking at the paintings of himself playing so many famous games of squash. Squash against the Israel-Gaza barrier. Squash in a submarine. So many squish. <laughs> he finally reaches his own personal court and enters the ghost of Clive's father floats impudently in the middle of the court hello Clive <laughs> and thought by his voice says his dad who's drinking from an ironic world's best dad mug which is how we know who it is it's time to join me in hell <laughs> is the mug corporeal or ethereal this is important. Corporeal would be easier to render, so probably that. Okay. 
Yeah, which shows that he can game physics. wield physical things. It shows that Clive's got a world's best dad mug hanging out in his No, it could have been stolen by the ghost to come into the place. How do you get it through the door? It would just he, clink on the outside. He can open the, he can the hold a mug, through. he can open a fucking door, mate. Okay. <laughs> Think right. it through. I can't believe he did this. Uh, where is he? Oh, yeah. What are you talking about, old man? I'm going up to mum in the heavens. That's where I belong. I led a nice life in the squash profession. And more player choice. I even turned down Jonah Mr. Squash Barrington because I kept it so real. This is as effective as any Telltale game. Yeah. <laughs> did you, though? Yes. I beg to differ. <laughs> Why? Look at your racket, Clive. Look at your prized racket that you used all the way through your career. Clive examines his racket, gasps, and dies on the spot, not even of the poison or anything. As Sandy Tom's I Wish I Was a Punk Crocker with Flowers in My Hair begins to play, the camera zooms into the racket, clattering to the floor. The racket says, badminton racket on the side. <laughs> Clive's life was a lie and his journey a failure. If you wait until after the credits, there's a brief scene of him screaming in hell. The end. Oh. And you've had a real journey through the world of squash that behind was, the scenes. I had four squash lessons as a child. Did it you? is a horrible game. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Well, Simon Simonman reflects the horror and intrigue of the psychology of the game, which I think is real Uh Verisimilitude. <laughs> I've got tears um, streaming down streaming your face. Down my face. I was going to say. I remain largely unmoved. I was just thinking about squash and how much I don't like it. It's the sport of solicitors. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it is time for the next regular feature. Are you hungry for love? Why not register online at Regular Features Personal Ads? Just listen to some of the people already looking for love online and reply. <laughs> Elvis fan wants you to love me tender. Although when I say love me tender, I mean I want you to batter my dick and nuts into a schnitzel with a tenderising mallet. Then we will eat my pancake junk with a very small amount of aromatic evergreen perennial herb. Just a small amount though. No time wasters. Time. Harold, Leighton Buzzard. Now that is probably a joke that will only work in the written form. <laughs> I got chills. They're multiplying and I'm losing control. Have you experienced geometrical chill progression and suffered a detriment to your sense of self-determination and bodily autonomy? If so, please get in touch for mutual support. As it stands, I don't fart without sitting on the toilet. Edward from Stoke. My hippo is always hungry. That's because I only feed him marbles. Is hippo what I call my arsehole? <laughs> You'll have to meet me to find out. Leslie from New... <laughs> Hello, I'm the guy from heartwarming gay drama, My Beautiful Laundrette. As I grew older and discovered my choice of career had been some consciously guided by my unexamined kinks, I realised I was just a big old freak for shit stains. 
I was embarrassed at first, but as I grew to love myself, I became unashamed, then proud. Now I am evangelical, and I return bags of laundry unwashed with a note saying, There's nothing wrong with these pants. They are perfect as they are. Business has suffered. Please get in touch if you want your shitty pants returned to you unwashed for a reasonable price. Omar from Wandsworth. Any chicks want to piss on a sugar lump until it's all gone? You do? Want to make it more interesting? Okay, I put the sugar lump on a Roomba. Start the clock! <laughs> George from Leicester. I am the scariest TV gladiator. I can't keep this accent up. I can't do Scottish. <laughs> I am the scariest TV gladiator. I do not respect contestants and growl at them if they approach me. I do not take defeat in good grace and will howl in fury and anguish when bested. When beaten, I desire only revenge and will hide on the sky track, taking pot shots with a BB gun during subsequent games. The only time I feel emotion is when children show unexpected kindness and loyalty at a potentially catastrophic moment. Like in Spider-Man 2, when Parker's mask came off in a train and all the kids said, it's okay, we won't tell anyone. <laughs> Man, what a scene. Wolf from the TV. <laughs> hey, chump, pull your dick out your ear and start shooting jizz into my eyeball. Why are my eyes open like in Clockwork Orange? Then press your bell end against my pupils. I want my eye to be a TARDIS, flying down your time tunnel dick pipe. Then fart your dick load over my peepers, like I got a spunky eyelid. Then tuck me up in bed so I wake up with my eyes all pink and fucked from dry Time Lord jizz. Jake from Burton-on-Trent. <laughs> That's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> I guess it's true that nice guys finish last, because I'm nice, and I will make sure you squirt like a motherfucker before I allow myself anywhere near the vinegars. What else do they say about nice guys? Oh, yeah, they say, no more, Mr. Nice Guy. I would never say that, unless it was part of a mapped out and agreed upon role play in which you wanted me to say mean things like, that's a brave dress for someone with your shoulders. I'm so nice, I realize that the patriarchy hurts men as well as women, so I don't even know what women are complaining about. Having demonstrated how nice I am, I better get no replies because fuck you. Simon from Swindon. Join in the sexual fun and regular features. Personal ads. Online. On the internet. What's Reply. Reply. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Piece that <laughs> shit together. Regular features come And now it's time for Steve's regular feature, Steve's professional restaurant review. I am a, I don't know if you know, a professional restaurant critic. Oh, I thought he was just like going to stop at restaurant. James Rayner <laughs> or Ellie Golding. <laughs> she must have done. Who's that hot one that's a bit of an arsehole? 
Jay Baruchel. But both... I don't know who you're talking <laughs> oh, about. Oh, Giles Corran. Oh, he's horrible. Yeah, but he's kind of fit, but he's a mm. massive dickhead. Yeah. He reviewed a kebab shop around the corner from me. He did, Imono. Uh, yeah, Imono. And uh, I went to have a kebab there and hallucinated spiders vividly on my ceiling that evening. Well, for, so balance, for balance, I've eaten Imono way too many times and I've never had a single spider hallucination it's a, it is wicked they sell spider kebabs that make you hallucinate spiders well that's and if Giles you Corrin, order the spider kebab if Giles you order the normal lamb one it's fine is it the one that's just teeming with them it's rotating and the spider's all moving away on yeah, the side trying to get, get away from, from the, the flame heat. It's, it's half a kebab at any one time that's actually how they power the other one spinning it's all the force of those spiders in like a fulcrum action. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Those guys, it's a real green saving. They really learned how to harness the spider. <laughs> what a strange thought. <laughs> but I thought I'd just read to you my latest uh, restaurant review. Oh. Um, which goes, it's a review of a restaurant called uh, La Dame de Pic, which is the London branch of the La Dame de Pic in Paris. What does that mean? The damned the lady pig. The damned of pick. Picks. The lady pick. The, the dick pick. And <laughs> Sophie Pick, who uh, runs Maison Pick in the south of France. Okay. House of Dick. Not the house. A pick, look. P-I-C. Just, you can't just say dick. Ah. You've gone so red with <laughs> happiness. It's served me fine so far in my life, Steve. <laughs> When I first laid eyes upon the dining hall of La Dame de Pic, I must admit I was taken <laughs> aback. This beautiful new opening in the recently renovated 10 Trinity Square pays quiet homage to the building's original stone rotunda facade with sharp intentional interior design that draws the eye ever upwards along grand floor-to-ceiling windows to the ornately detailed domed ceiling above. One could hardly ask for better staging for the London debut of Anne-Sophie's adventurous new fine dining menu also everybody at the restaurant looked exactly like my parents <laughs> <laughs> starters were berlingo pasta parcels with a lightly smoked peladon cheese seasonal wild mushrooms and a tonga bean and piper bourbonese a delectable <laughs> light and unashamedly french opening to what would prove to be an eclectic couple of courses tonga beans a single tonga bean <laughs> It's not what the sentence said. <laughs> the woman on the table next to me turned to me and she had... <laughs> hello, this, hello. Had this is what ended on my summer holidays by Steve, age seven. Turn to me. And I went to damn dicks, the and restaurant. And it was nice. Shut up. I did a fart. Be quiet, dog. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's actually out of order of both of you. Restaurant critics are notoriously enrageable. <laughs> when you Have talk you over them during their feature, yes. Have you seen Ratatouille? We've all got very short features, Steve. <laughs> I was on a lovely little roll there. <laughs> both of you. That lovely little roll, which was you saying one word a second for Sounds 10 seconds. Sounds like you rolling down a hill, trying to still say your sentence. <laughs> Sorry, carry on, Steve. I'm sorry, I wasn't just replacing the word pick with dick. <laughs> hey, let's get this back on track. Start saying pick again so I can mishear you on purpose. <laughs> Tonga beans. Where was I? Shut up now, <laughs> actually, both of you. The woman on the next table turned to me. She had the face of my mother, and when she opened her mouth, no words came out. 
When I looked back down at my table, the pasta parcels had been cleared away by an attentive waiter. My dining partner had gone. Had I come here with someone, I could no longer remember. Steamed Cornish crab was up next with a <laughs> sobaccia and dill panna cotta, served with Corsican clementine and mycon jelly, topped with crushed celeriac. Each melting mouthful was transporting a fleeting taste of distant Brittany with a sunny sweetness that... I paused. Nobody else in the restaurant was making a sound. In the far corner of the room, a man stood up from his seat and faced the wall. <laughs> It was my father. <laughs> he was holding a live crab and crying. <laughs> the crab is my adult son, he said to the women on his table, who are also all of them my mother. This crab is my son and he lives here in the restaurant. Everybody else in the restaurant nodded and murmured in agreement, concurring that the crab was me and the restaurant was my house where I lived with my hundred parents. <laughs> I felt a tapping on my shoulder. It's my dad with the main course. <laughs> a venison and foie gras pithivier. Thanks, dad, I say. Thank you for the pithivier, father. <laughs> the crumbling puff pastry is a thing of beauty, and I eat the entire thing over the course of six weeks. It takes me such a long time because my pincers can only hold <laughs> tiny morsels, but I don't mind. I have plenty of time to eat it because I live here in the restaurant. Ambience, four stars. Food, five stars. Value for money, two stars. Verdict. A welcome addition to London's fine dining scene if you are a crab. <laughs> <laughs> all of those things you mentioned in that, all of the beautiful sounding dishes, are they things you have actually reviewed or did you look all the stuff up? Because I haven't heard of half of that shit and it sounded well posh. That is the menu at the, Dan the actual Le Dame de Pic, which I actually did review. Oh, God, so you... Oh, it's just all they've got there? Yeah. Oh, it's literally it's all they've got. <laughs> is that all they've got? Cra crab so. reveries. Regular features, regular features, regular features now. <laughs> That's awful. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Regular Features podcast. It's been a hoot. It's been a nanny. It's been a hoot and nanny. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> my nanny was an owl, the hootin' nanny. <laughs> they called her the hootin' nanny. She's dead. <laughs> so Owls don't live long. It's fine. It's <laughs> not in this house. It's <laughs> if you like what you heard, you can go to patreon.com forward slash regular features. And that's your one-stop shop for helping out your pop. <laughs> That's me. You're obsessed with your dad. Uh, What's happened? Well, he killed my nan. Oh. The owl from the last joke. <laughs> I'd have waited a bit longer for a callback, really, Steve. <laughs> Call back the last sentence that I said. Why don't you be a wise owl? Why don't you be a wise owl and give money to regular features? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going again. No, I liked it. I liked we're it. Going again. Hootenanny was gold. He <laughs> was good, but then we fucked it. Start Let's talking about the Patreon people. <laughs> Guess what? I want to shout out some lovely, lovely people. Huda. <gasps> Liam Miller, thank you for helping us out. Liam or Liam? Liam. <laughs> Liam. 
Harry Leonard. Leonard. <laughs> Harry Leonard. Fucking bunch of Madagascans turning up, giving us money dollars. And Elliot Darner. Elliot oh, I Darner. like that. Oh, you had an ancestor who did some bloody socks. <laughs> Oh you have an ancestor. Oh, That's why you're called Donna. I was thinking of Donna International from the uh, Eurovision Song Contest. Oh. So, um, <laughs> and she was an international purveyor of socks. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. Tune in next week. We're going to have another episode of the podcast. Promise. I promise you that. It's a goodbye from me. It's a short belt from me. I did a little rumble from my gurgle tummy as well, <laughs> so it's all real nice over here inside of me. Bye! Synchronicity. Good night. <laughs> Just a confusing, <laughs> revolting outro. <laughs> Three idiots. What an odd episode. <laughs>